you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. The Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Now, many people already know the story of St. Francis. So I want to share with you one particular story in the life of St. Francis. In the summer of 1215, St. Francis and a small group of friars were in Rome. They were seeking approbation for his rule. And one night during his stay, while Francis was praying, he saw our Lord prepare to unleash the most terrible chastisement upon the world. But his most holy mother was making an effort to placate him, asking his mercy and forgiveness. And for this purpose, she presented two men who would labor for the conversion of the world and return countless number of lost sheep back into the fold. Now, Francis recognized himself as one of those individuals. However, he did not recognize the other man. The next morning, he went into a church, and as he was crossing the street, he, an unknown man runs up to him and embraced him, saying, You are my companion. We will work together, supporting one another toward the same end, and no one will prevail against us. Francis immediately recognized this man to be the other person from his vision. Who was it? No one other than St. Dominic de Guzman, the founder of the Dominican order. Now he was to receive a, he had received a very similar vision the night before. And so they both go into this church and they hear the preaching of Fra Angelo. Now Fra Angelo was a Carmelite who would later become a martyr. Fra Angelo saw Francis and Dominic in the audience and moved by a grace, he stopped, looked at them, and announced with prophetic words that the two would become strong columns of the church. Later, whenever they were, they embraced, the two of them turned to them, to Fra Angelo, and told him that they, that he would become a martyr. Now, as they were leaving, a poor leper begged them to heal him. And so what did they do? The three of them simultaneously blessed the poor man and restored him to health. Now, this story is a beautiful story because it shows the three people as friends, three saints as friends. We kind of think about this world as we go it alone, right? And Francis of Assisi thought he was leading the charge alone, leading these brothers alone. St. Dominic the same way. Fra Angelo recently had fled from the Holy Land with the Carmelite Order because the Muslims took over his land. All of these men think themselves alone, and yet they find fellow workers in the vineyard, and they suffer together, and they love together. And it also shows the dynamic of the different aspects of the Catholic life. You need the foot soldiers who go out and by their zeal for souls and by their poverty like St. Francis of Assisi, can convert many souls. You need the Dominicans who have this great love for the intellectual life to teach philosophy, theology, apologetics. And we need the contemplative life, like the Carmelites. 
And now you need all aspects of these in order to have a fully Catholic life. And not one of these should be taken precedence over the other, but instead they should all live together. The other point that I want to make before we finish the saying of the day is God raised up in the 13th century these great saints to save Christian civilization, to hold back the hand of the great chastisement that was to come in their time. What about today? Who are those saints today? Are you that saint today? The question will be, will you correspond with the grace that God has given you? Or perhaps the saints are already walking this earth and they're preaching the gospel, but you are not hearing them. Because we can fail in two ways. Either the saints don't correspond to the grace that God gave them, or we don't correspond to the grace that the saints are giving us. So we should ask St. Francis through the grand union he has with Our Lady to obtain for us the great spirit of humility and mortification so we stop thinking about ourselves and think only of the Catholic cause without the desire to appear, shine, or even have fun. It should suffice us for only to know, to love, serve, and glorify Our Lady throughout our whole life. We should also ask him to help us fight with all our forces to destroy the revolution, which has helped to counterattack in his time. St. Francis of Assisi, pray, pray for, for us. us. Uh, joining me right now is not Rudy Carlos. Uh, Nick has rejoined us today this morning. Good morning to you, Nick. Good morning, Adrian and uh, Ave Maria. It's a great day to be a Catholic. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Thank you very much for uh, filling in last second. Um, no Rudy problem. called in yesterday. He was like, dude, my, my wife got sick now. My daughters are sick and they're doing pretty bad. So I can't come in in the morning. And I was like, whew, I don't know what I'm going to do today. And Nick was like, you know what? I'm still awake. I'm, uh, I'm hanging out at a church this morning, this, this evening. How would I come by? And I was like, well, if you'd like to, you're welcome to come in and fill in. And so Nick graciously came in. So thank you very much, Nick. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you. And, uh, you know, feel for Rudy with, uh, man, the children being sick. That's the worst. So yeah. it's, uh, man, I, I know they're going through a rough time. You know, I've I've never had an issue with my kids being sick. Every yeah. time, I've just never been an issue for me. So lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, the we'll be praying for Rudy and yes. uh, pray for Nick for his generosity. Thank you very much. Thank At 15 past the hour, we got a couple stories here. A Democrat politician thinks that a fire alarm is a doorknob. Um, why is that national news? We'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. Uh, Mexican president says 10,000 are crossing the border every day. We'll talk about that as well. At 30 past the hour, I love to say, I mean, I hate to say it, but I was right. Um, the minimum wage issue is a major, major problem that I 100% predicted accurately. So we're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. I know, I know. I hate to say I told you so. I love to say I told you. Any 45 past the hour, uh, a woman who burned down a Wyoming abortion clinic has been sentenced to five years in prison. We're going to talk about that. And in the next hour, I have a good news story to share with you. Pretty cool story. Pretty cool story, I got to admit. And, of course, we have our fear and trembling game show and prizes will be involved. So let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. Whatever it is that you have going on in your life for our friends, family, and benefactors and all those that we promise to pray for. We pray in a special way for Rudy and his family, for their recovery from their sickness. We pray in Thanksgiving for Nick being here this morning. We pray for my grandfather, who's suffering greatly right now. He's uh, very not in a great place. So prayer for his miraculous healing. 
And we pray for the synod and synodality that God's holy will be done. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Virgin Mary, grant that the recitation of thy rosary may be for me each day. In the midst of my manifold duties, a bond of unity in my actions, a tribute of filial piety, a sweet refreshment, an encouragement to walk joyfully along the path of duty. Grant above all, O Virgin Mary, that the study of thy fifteen mysteries may form in my soul little by little a luminous atmosphere, pure, strengthening, and fragrant, which may penetrate my understanding, my will, my heart, my memory, my imagination, my whole being. So shall I acquire the habit of praying while I work without the aid of formal prayers, by interior acts of admiration or supplication, or by aspirations of love. I ask of thee, O Queen of the Holy Rosary, through St. Dominic, thy son of predilection, the renowned preacher of thy mysteries, and the faithful imitator of thy virtues. Amen. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now, your headline news with Nick Carbone. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are today's breaking news and headlines. Out of Breitbart, Kevin McCarthy. I will not run for speaker again. Kevin McCarthy, uh, Republican California, will not seek to regain the speaker's gavel. He announced Tuesday night, just hours after losing a motion to vacate the chair. Quote, I believe I can continue to fight, maybe in a different manner, unquote. McCarthy told a packed Capitol room outside the Speaker's office, quote, I will not run for Speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else, unquote. While his political career may have peaked, McCarthy expressed no regrets. Out of LifeSite News, Biden admin agencies to move to eliminate words like mother and father from child care laws. Agencies within the Biden administration have moved to scrub gender-specific words like mother and father, from child care legislation, according to a Monday report by Catholic Vote. The HHS states that its filing aligns with President Biden's executive orders, as well as so-called Respect for Marriage Act. In advancing equity for all, including members of the LGBTQI plus communities, as well as recognizing the existence of and legal needs of diverse family structures. Catholic Vote cited its Director of Government Affairs, Tom McCluskey, who pointed out that, quote, concerned Catholics, including our bishops, have warned us time and time again about the many executive orders and dangerous pieces of legislation cited in this new regulation, unquote, which he argued was an attempted overhaul of the American family. Out of Catholic vote, in a letter on climate change, Pope Francis chastises U.S.-style capitalism, calls for a stronger global enforcement, in anticipation of the liturgy, liturgical feast of St. Francis Assisi, Pope Francis released an apostolic exhortation titled Laudate Deum and, and translated as Praise God, in which he tr- criticized the negative climate consequences of the Western lifestyle and called for stronger, enforceable global agreements. In driving home this point, Francis singled out the citizens of the United States in his letter, quote, If we consider that emissions... Per individual in the United States are about two times greater than those of individuals in China and about seven times greater than the average of the poorest countries, we can state that a broad change in the irresponsible lifestyle connected with the Western model would have a significant long-term impact. Again, the Pope's letter is titled, Praise God. He ended it with the statement, quote, For when human beings claim to take God's place, they become their own worst enemies. 
Those were your breaking news and headlines for now. Coming up, what's going on in Ohio that caused thousands to descend on the Ohio on Ohio's capital? Keep it dialed in on Catholic Drive Time for more. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Now, a lot can be said here, and a lot was said here. Cornelius Lapide's commentary today that took about 30 minutes to get through, and I'm only going to focus on verse 30, because this is something that many people struggle with. Our Lord says in verse 30, for my yoke is sweet and my burden light. Now, people say, how could his burden be light if it's so difficult to be a Catholic? Uh, The world hates you. (laughs) Sometimes your family hates you. Sometimes you'll be persecuted. Sometimes you'll be martyred. So why is it that our Lord is saying his burden is light and his yoke sweet? Now, here, Cornelius Lapide talks about this. He says, thus, likewise, is the Christ discipline. Thus his sweet yoke, thus his light burden. If we lay it down, we are ourselves depressed because he carries us rather than is carried by us. Now, it's interesting to note this mention of depression. This idea that if we lay down the burden and yoke of Christ, then we will be depressed. Uh, Tell me, does that ring true to you? Have you noticed this to be the case? Do you know anybody in your life who does not have God and is depressed. Now, it's also interesting to note that he says here, the yoke and burden of Christ is the gospel. The law of the gospel, therefore, is a yoke because it binds us to discipline, lest anyone should depart from justice. Now, in the Greek, for sweet is not rendered like sweet, like sugar, but instead beneficial, humane, kind, or good in comparison with the old law. So this is not the case. Some people like to think that this means, oh, everything should be candy and rainbows. Uh, But that's not the case because it's not sweet in that sense. It's sweet in the sense that it's beneficial. It is good, unlike the old law, because the new law has fewer precepts. It gives greater grace. It allows us to be ruled as sons and not as servants. It allows us to be not to be threatened nor bring in death. But in fact, it takes that away. So those who bind themselves to the gospel may have eternal life, may have eternal sweetness. We can say and we look upon our Lord, especially in the most holy Eucharist. Thy burden is light and thy yoke is sweet. So let me take it upon myself to live the gospel this day and to fight for virtue this day. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says... The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to learn about a great Catholic saint. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the lives of the saints? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. I was uh, reliably informed this morning from Nick. He told me that um, Laudato Deum was released. Uh, well, he told you as well. I mean, it was in the news. <laughs> So he told us, he told you and I. I I, I doubt it. I doubt it, unfortunately. Okay. Anyway, on to this story. Let's start here. A Democrat politician thinks that a fire alarm is a doorknob. Uh, This is kind of kind of funny to me, to to be honest. (laughs) I was like, this is a wire. Why are we doing this? Why is this happening? And why is this a new story? So I was like, okay, let me read this. So here's a summary. New York Congressman Jamel Bowman is under fire from Republicans following allegations that he pulled a fire alarm in the House Cannon Office building purposely to delay a vote on a spending bill. Now, this is really interesting, right? Because at first I'm like, okay, so the guy is just so dumb that he pulled a fire alarm. But it's clear now that you see he was trying to disrupt the House vote on a spending bill. He wanted to delay the vote. And so he pulled the fire alarm so everybody has to leave, right? This is what he was doing. It's clearly what he's doing. And the fact that this happens, and then immediately the leftist media starts to shill for him and starts to defend him and starts to say, oh, no, he he totally got confused between the fire alarm and the doorknob. I'm thinking, really? Really? That's what you're going to go with? And... It was kind of funny because you can actually see the surveillance footage where he reaches over and pulls a fire alarm. And then immediately he lawyers up, which if he just made a mistake, he'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I I thought it was the doorknob and I had to push in and pull down. Whoops. And people are saying, oh, there's no possibility that he knew that it wasn't a that it wasn't a fire alarm because he used to be a former school principal. I'm going to be honest, I've never been a former school principal, but I still know what a fire alarm is. 
I don't think you need to be a former school principal or even have gone to school to know what a fire alarm is. I mean, it's written on the device. And it's not like it's easy to, like, you don't just twist it and then it goes off. It's not shaped like a doorknob and it's not a push like what's the push doors. You have to push it in and then pull it down. Like, they make it slightly difficult so that way you don't accidentally bump into it and accidentally set it off. So it's rather interesting. Now, there are congressmen who are saying that they need to introduce a resolution to expel him from the U.S. Congress. Uh, but I do want to play for you this clip of um, Mayor uh, Mayor G. Taylor Green. There you go. I can say words. She actually did a great video explaining what it looks like in the U.S. Congress or the U.S. House, rather, where you can see what had happened. So you can see the video and Taylor is playing that right now. Everyone, we're at the infamous door where Jamal Bowman claims he had to pull a fire alarm to get out. Now, these doors are open on weekdays. Every member of Congress knows that. Everybody that works here knows that. But on Saturdays and Sundays, they are locked and only certain doors are open on Saturdays and Sundays. Now, come on over here. This right here is a fire alarm. Nowhere does it say pull the fire alarm to open the exit door. Doesn't say that and I think ex-middle school principals know better. Let me show you how we go when we need to go vote. Okay, I we can cut that there. And uh, she goes on, if you want to see the whole video, it's about three minutes long. She explains how actually where you go to go vote and where you're headed because allegedly he said he was going, he was rushing to go vote and that's what happened. It's nonsensical. Clearly, it's clearly the case that he pulled the fire alarm on purpose. So it's rather silly to try to say otherwise. Now, I think that is sufficient to talk about that story. But it is something to keep in mind that the left will do whatever it takes to win. Whatever it takes to win. And so people who are who have sanity... We kind of bury our heads in the sand and think that things aren't so bad. We kind of, we imagine that our enemy, our opponent is like us and our, they don't want to do anything immoral. They wouldn't lie or cheat or steal to try to win. They're just trying to, they're going to do everything they can to win, but within the bounds of morality. That's just simply not the case. Just at the very basis saying that these people support baby murder, it just tells you everything you need to know. I mean, if they're willing to kill babies, what will they not be willing to do? We just have to keep that in mind when we're fighting because we're not fighting a fair fight. So that means we have to have more zeal. We have to be stronger. We can't do anything immoral. We do not want to do anything immoral. Uh, but nonetheless, we have to keep this in mind. Now, going on to this story, a Mexican president says 10,000 cross the border every single day. This is a huge deal, especially considering that he also points out the majority of them aren't even Mexican. So people are coming through Mexico to get to the United States. And Elon Musk actually went down to the border to talk about this issue and to talk to the people on the ground. Uh, Taylor, can you play clip three for me? We're getting over 20, about 2,500 people coming over illegally a day. And we are, we are repatriating or sending zero back. Zero. Z- zero. Zero. So Not- zero is quite a small number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, let's just literally zero. So zero. basically, there's 
no repatriation. What is happening is there. This is insane. What is happening is, at best, they will send people to other parts of the border. That's okay. not back to where they, the country of origin. That's still Laredo or El Paso. Okay. In worst case scenario, and I want to bring in the mayor here, the worst case scenario is where they're at. You bubble to a point where there's nowhere else to send them. So what you end up doing is you release them into the street. Yeah, Imagine so that what there. that does. And this is uh, very concerning because this is specifically Eagle Pass. Now, the Mexican president's comment about 10,000 is about coming over the U.S. border in its entirety. Now, he's saying this is what's happening in Eagle Pass specifically. And this is very, very concerning because, like he mentioned, they're not sending anybody back. They're sending zero people back. And he said that at best, they're sending them to other border towns, which is absolutely overwhelming the system. Now, let's play clip four here. The mayor it talks about what his experience is. Uh, Taylor, could you play that for me? In a city of 28,000 people, we've had over 19,000 people in the last about 10 days come in. So we don't have the resources. It's like, like, wait, the more, people, more people are coming in by far uh, you know, than the, I mean, it's exceeding the population of the town on a regular basis. Absolutely. We don't have the resources to Mayor, control. Will you talk about the, the, the hospital? Absolutely. I think that's a Absolutely. piece that a lot of people are missing. Eagle Pass has one hospital. So, so you have thousands of people visiting this hospital. People are getting frustrated. They, the the safety is taking a toll. People can't get medical care. Our local constituents because they're treating people that are coming in from other countries. It's yeah. Just, there's only so many doctors. There's there's only only so many doctors. Only so much we could do. The thing is, they're coming in without consequence, and the word gets out back to their countries. Hey, come to the U.S. Come through Eagle Pass. Come one, come all kind of situation. And it's disappointing that that we don't have a, a reform where we can solve this issue. The other thing about now, this too, this Elon, is very very big deal as well because this is something that's not just at Eagle Pass. This is enti- the entirety of Texas. The entirety of Texas is absolutely overwhelmed in terms of its emergency rooms. Why? Because emergency rooms, I don't know if this is a federal law or a Texas law, but you're not allowed to turn people away, which I think is a good idea. Like, obviously, you don't want someone who's bleeding out and they're like, oh, we got to check your insurance before we can uh, save your life. Obviously, that would be not a moral thing to do. Uh, But the illegal immigration is abusing that system to the nth degree because anybody who is illegal and are sick by any means and they're like, oh, man, I need to go to the doctor. What do they do? They go to the emergency room because the emergency room cannot check your immigration status. They can't ask you questions. They just got to treat you. And so they're overwhelming our emergency rooms. And this is a injustice to the American citizens, to the Texas citizens, to the citizens of whatever place we're going. Because now we're seeing Chicago, New York, L.A., Portland, all saying the same thing, that we don't want this. It's not good for us. If it's not good good for the goose, it's not good for the gander, right? So why don't they say, hey, maybe this is not good at all for anybody? Now, I highly recommend checking out the entire video because he interviews the sheriff, he interviews the mayor, he interviews uh, some people in in other uh, parts of the local government and really shows you on the ground of what's going on. The other big thing that from that interview that, that Elon Musk was doing was that the vast majority are single working aged men, not families, not unaccompanied minors, not women. It is working aged men primarily, the vast majority. But everyone only wants to focus in 
on the very small percentage of people and make it seem as though it's all these poor children, which it's not the children's fault. It's the parents' fault for imagine, imagine a situation where you have a parent who does something like this in America, who abuses their kid by taking them through the desert. What if they decided we're going to walk from from Texas to New Mexico, and they walk to the desert with their kids? We, we would be like that's child abuse. You're not allowed to do that, but you're allowed. We're allowing them to do it to come into America. And what what state, where country are they coming from? But it's so bad that they have to do that. Are they coming from Stalin, Russia? Are they coming from Nazi Germany? Or are they just seeking to have a more affluent life? Because if they are li- literally fleeing Stalin and, and Hitler, then they would get asylum. Appeal for asylum and they would get it. But this is not what the case is. This is simply not the case. And even the Mexican president understands this, and he disclosed that approximately 10,000 migrants are daily heading toward the U.S. border, originating from various countries beyond Mexico. He noted that 6,000 migrants per day have entered Mexico from Guatemala, adding to the escalating situation at the U.S. border. He also criticized the U.S. for helping Ukraine over South America. He's saying, look, the big part of the problem here." Is that we are, have a lot of poverty in these countries, so people want to go where it's nicer, and yet you're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine when your southern border is being attacked, when everyone south of your border has some needs here too. If you're going to help that U.S. territory called Ukraine, then why not help these down here? Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. When we come back, we have more breaking news and stories. I got to tell you, I was right about something and I want to share it with you. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue, you're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Daddy Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. (laughs) They love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Nick Carboni, and here are more breaking news and headlines. At a Catholic news agency, ahead of major abortion vote, thousands to descend on Ohio's capital for March for Life. An estimated 5,000 Ohioans 
will be marching for, for life this Friday in the state's capital of Columbus, just one month ahead of the November election that could fatally influence the futures of many unborn children. In a September press release, the March for Life, the pro-life organization co-hosting the march, said that the speakers at the event will be educating attendees on the dangers of the November constitutional amendment. The amendment which says, quote, every individual has a right to carry out one's own reproductive decisions, unquote, would bring, quote, painful late-term abortions right up until birth to, to Ohio, cancel parental consent protections for minors, and erase basic health and safety standards for women when it comes to abortion, unquote. The March for Life organizers had said. LifeSite News. We've got firefighters retrieve first baby safely deposited in New Mexico baby box. Baby boxes have become an important pro-life resource, enabling moms in crisis situations to safely and anonymously relinquish their newborns in accordance with state safe haven laws that allow people to drop off unharmed newborn babies at secure locations, like fire or police stations or hospitals. In the early morning of Saturday, September 23rd, Fire Station 1 in Hobbs, New Mexico, received an alert indicating that their new baby box had been activated. Local KRQE reported, This is a great day for the community of Hobbs, New Mexico. With all the tragedy that's been going on with these types of incidents in New Mexico, this is a great day. Hobbs Interim Fire Chief Mark DePorto told the outlet. On a National Catholic Register, National Eucharistic Congress opens perpetual pilgrim application process. The National Eucharistic Congress on Monday opened its application form for young people to apply as perpetual pilgrims during the Natural Eucharistic Pilgrimage, which kicks off during summer of 2024. The ambitious two-month pilgrimage will consist of four cross-country Eucharistic processions, a combined distance of 6,500 miles, converging in Indianapolis on July 16, 2024, at the National Eucharistic Congress, which is expected to attract thousands. The general public is invited to sign up to join small sections at different points of the pilgrimage. Pilgrims will walk 10 to 15 miles each day with major solemn processions on Sundays and mass and smaller processions at parishes during the week. Catholics interested in serving as perpetual pilgrims must be aged 19 to 29, in good physical condition, capable of walking long distances, and must agree to uphold the teachings of the Catholic Church for the duration of the pilgrimage, according to the announcement. Those were, were all your headline, were all your breaking news and headlines this morning. May God bless all your holy efforts today. Ave Maria. So I'm, you're saying that I have to uphold the teachings of the church for the duration of the pilgrimage. Nice, huh? <laughs> well, I guess I guess if it's a quote-unquote perpetual pilgrimage, then I guess that means forever, right? right? So I I guess that's fine. I was like, huh. So after the pilgrimage is over, then I can uh, not hold to the teachings anymore? Like, well, we, perpetual pilgrimage. Okay, so I guess I guess that works. I guess that works. That's interesting. Um, the story about the firefighters, I um, actually have that on my docket to talk about in the next hour. So that'll be oh, okay. a good conversation. Good. Um, very much, very, very interesting. I like that a lot. So here is... Uh, the other topic I want to get into. So I I love to say it, but I was right. I told you so. Last week, 
I was talking about with um, our dear friend Brent Haynes about the minimum wage problem. The minimum wage problem is a real problem because people are trying to raise the minimum wage. And what did I say? I said that if they raise the minimum wage, people think, oh, everyone deserves a living wage. Everyone deserves this and that and the other. And there's a discussion to be had about do people deserve to have a living wage in every single job? I would say no, but that would be a different discussion. My point was simply, if we raise the minimum wage, it's going to give an incentive to the companies to try to replace you entirely. Because if I have, if let's say I'm paying $15 an hour right now, and I'm paying $15 an hour to whoever it is, because this is California. In Texas, I think it's like $7.25. And let's say that's what we're paying. And we raise them in wage to $20. So now you have to pay the person, if you're in California, $5 more an hour. That doesn't sound like a lot, but you make that annually, and that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to increase for how many employees. So let's just ballpark it, and I'm just going to say, I don't know. What if it's an additional, it's probably more than this, but let's just say it's an additional $10,000 a year. Let's just say that. Let's say that's you have maybe 20 employees that you're paying every day. So that's an additional, what, $200,000 a year? That's $200,000 a year per store that they're now increasing. Now, now you have an option as a company. Do you pay an additional $200,000 or do we innovate? Do we create systems to try to get rid of the employees and maybe we just hire managers? So maybe they'll get paid like $30 an hour. And but we'll have uh, one or two managers to manage the store, to take care of any problems, to if the machines aren't working and fix them. And then you just get rid of all the other employees. So now you actually only have two. But before, it was actually mm, not worth it to invest the time and money that it would take to develop these technologies that you would need. But now that I'm like $200,000 a year, that's a million dollars in just five years. Let me invest some money into trying to fix this. That's what I said. And this story comes out. California forthcoming $20 minimum wage for fast food workers has led to a surge in automation testing in various restaurants. Huh. I wonder who could have predicted this. And it's not that I'm smart. It's that this is just obvious. Anybody could have predicted this. Anybody, especially seeing the way AI is going, the way that we're already seeing jobs being taken from AI, this is obviously the case. This is obviously what was going to happen. Governor Gavin Newsom legislation aiming for fairer wages and improved working conditions has spurred chains like Chipotle and Sweetgreen to explore automation solutions. Chipotle is piloting automated systems for making burritos, salads, and even tortilla chips. The company recently partnered with Hyphen, a platform for kitchen automation, to create a digital make line for their restaurants. Similarly, Sweetgreen introduced a fully automated robotic kitchen in Naperville, Illinois, with plans for expansion. Such innovations aim to streamline operations, reduce labor costs, and enhance customer experience. The rise of automation in the fast food industry, including initiatives by major chains like McDonald's, reflects a trend towards adapting to a higher higher labor cost and improving efficiency. As businesses leverage technology to meet rising wage demands, these advancements seek to create a more dynamic work environment and ensure a quicker, more convenient service for customers. While these changes could mitigate challenges related to labor supply and increased wages, 
they also mark a significant shift in the industry landscape, embracing automation for sustained growth and productivity. So, in two ways, there's some interesting things. One, I'm kind of, one in one aspect of it, honestly, I think we're going to get better customer service. Because you're not going to have a bunch of kids that are getting paid seven twenty five an hour serving you and like, oh, whatever. Hold on. Let me finish this text and then I'll get to your order. I've literally had that happen to me yeah. where I'm like trying to order and the guy is sitting there at the cashier texting and I'm like, dude, <laughs> like you're on the clock. Like, yeah, I get it if you're not doing anything. But right now you got a customer in front of you. There's no one behind me. Take my order. Then you can text after that. But that's just simply what happens. I mean, you right. pay seven twenty five an hour. They're like, oh, if I get fired, whatever. Well, and with the labor shortage as well, I mean, the managers aren't going to say a whole lot because if that guy leaves, he, now he's short two people yeah, or three or four, however many. He was already short. Yeah, so it's a huge incentive for them to not get rid of him. Mm-hmm. But with this, you can have technology doing all the customer interaction stuff, so I just punch in what I want, and then the robot does it, and then the only person you might have to deal with will be somebody who's probably going to get paid significantly more they're gonna be paid like $30 an hour $35 an hour because they're gonna be managing the whole store and probably one or two of them and so you probably have better customer service with those people so it's like it's gonna be a better customer experience I think I think that's probably what's gonna happen so from a consumer standpoint I think it's gonna be a plus but for the societal standpoint I think it's gonna be a negative because right now we have a shortage of workers right right but after this I think it's going to go inverse because I think it's – I was reading oh, – I should have wrote this down. I think it was saying that there are 500,000 employees in California that are working in fast food. Hmm. And so if that's all – if that's reduced down to maybe 10,000 employees, that's a huge shift rapidly right. into the job market. So that's very concerning. So where are all these people going to work? Where are these people going to get jobs? Hopefully, this is just mostly kids and they'll be fine. But I think a lot of them are people who rely on it, especially in areas like California and Texas. You get a lot of kids doing it in California because the minimum wage is so high. You get a lot of adults doing it. So it's very concerning. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I got to finish a story I mentioned yesterday. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you.
Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. All right, what talk about, we were talking about this in the during the break, Nick and I, about the move over to technology. And, you know, something else that's, that's something worthy of bringing up is they're going to have to bring in more jobs, no, for trying to do, for the technical aspect of it. Uh, you were saying, Nick, that... Uh, Whenever they do that kind of thing, it increases the wages of those who are in the more technical field. Right. Right. Because then what ends up happening, you don't have just people that are there. You have actually operator technicians and then you have other technicians. So there are some opportunities for for some higher paying jobs, but we don't do technical schools anymore. So who's going to learn to fix the machines? Who's going to learn to monitor those? Yeah, that's a good point. So it's interesting. So it'll get rid of some more lower paying jobs. So I'm thinking of, I was mentioning in the break of the McDonald's ice cream machine story. Everybody knows why McDonald's ice cream machine, why is it always broken? (laughs) And one of the things is about it is that they use a proprietary machine that they have an exclusive contract with the company. And I'm forgetting the name of the company, but the, they can only hire them to fix it. And so, and if you try to fix it outside, you can get sued because there was an independent McDonald's owner who tried to fix it themselves because they had seen it done and they said, it's really simple. You just punch in the code and then you have to do a couple other things. I can't remember what it is, Um, but it's really simple apparently to fix them. You're not allowed to touch them. You have to bring in them to do it. So they have their own technicians that they hire that drive out to all these different McDonald's and they fix the machines. Right. So I can imagine the same thing happening here. So maybe you have 10 technicians in a city and they're driving around. So, you know, that's an interesting thing, too. So maybe it'll actually create a worse customer service because if they do that kind of thing and only them are allowed to fix it. And now you got to wait for the 10 people in the city who are qualified to do it to drive around the whole city and fix the machines. That could be chaotic. And like you said, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people are going to be taking that job? I mean, maybe if it's a huge influx of people doing this technical job, then maybe it'll be fine, but I doubt it. I doubt it, and I don't think they could afford it. Uh, They'd have to do a contractual situation where that happens. So now where you can't get your ice cream a lot of times because the machine is down, um, well, you won't be able to get your hamburger because the machine is down. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I'm glad I thought of it. That was a great idea, Adrian. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Praise be to God. That was, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. I think that's something we have to keep in mind when as all these things are coming out of the woodwork. Um, we do have to look at a larger vision of these issues. Now, yesterday I was I played a clip of this priest talking about these issues on abortion and transgenderism because I was very encouraged by this priest who was speaking the truth boldly, speaking the truth very clearly and, quote, unquote, getting into politics. And I say that in quotes because I mean, the, the politics, it's, it's, there's a saying uh, that comes from, I think it's Breitbart, who said, um, politics is downstream of culture. And so we should fight a cultural battle. But I think it was Cardinal Manning who said, culture is downstream of religion. All issues are religious issues. 
all politics are about morality. Why do we have laws about speed limits? Because we say that driving over a certain speed limit would be immoral because now you're endangering people's lives. Every single argument in the politics, in the political realm, is a moral argument. And the realm of morality belongs to the church. It belongs to religion. And so to say that, oh, as Catholics, we shouldn't talk about politics is absurd. It's absolute absurdity. So Father Jake J. McPhillips from Newberry, Ohio, criticized the, quote, Pontius Pilate approach of those who claim to be personally opposed to abortion transgenderism, but support the policies that promote these practices. You know, you get the idea of the Pontius Pilate approach saying, I wash my hands of this man. It's not me, but it's you who is doing this. That idea, absolving myself of this of these problems, yet who do we remember in the creed? Was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Interesting, right? So that will be us, lest we preach the gospel. Uh, so I want to play that clip in its entirety for you. Um, Taylor, can you play clip one for us? This amendment on the ballot in November. If somebody votes in favor of it, they put their eternal salvation at risk. If someone votes in favor of that amendment, they put their eternal salvation at risk. They risk hearing Jesus saying Judgment Day, I was a preborn child and you refused to protect me. Or I was a desperate woman and you refused to put obstacles to my doing the unthinkable. Or I was a confused child and you empowered me to destroy my life by opening the path to being transgendered. Or I was a parent of a confused child and you set up my child to destroy his life by removing protections from being, his being transgendered without my knowledge or consent and it destroyed my life and the life of my whole family. Father Bednar actually has a reflection in our bulletin this weekend and there'll be other reflections to follow. It, it says parents matter and how this amendment will rob parents of their rights to protect their children from doing something very foolish, something that can destroy the child's life. Even the comedian Bill Maher, if you're familiar with him at all, he's a pretty godless man. But the comedian Bill Maher said, you know, when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a pirate. But I'm just glad nobody poked out my eye and gave me a patch or cut off my leg and put a peg leg on me. I'm really glad that didn't happen. In other words, he was saying kids sometimes want to do stupid things. To stand in the way of parents being able to stop their child from doing something stupid is just plain evil. You see that going on in California now, where it's just crazy. The amendment on the ballot in November, folks, could be a matter of salvation or damnation. If we stand up for life, if we stand up to protect parental rights, if we stand up to protect young people from doing what can destroy their lives, we'll in that instance be following the will of God. That doesn't guarantee salvation, but in that instance, we're following the will of God. And I want to highlight an analogy here. Um, in Rome today, there's a beatification going on for an entire yeah, so family. Yeah, we'll cut that right there. And I have recommend listening to the entire sermon because he gives a lot of good analogies and a lot of good references in that. But I was very encouraged by this because he preached very clearly, very succinctly. And he also made the point, too. He's saying, look, it would be doing the will of God to fight against this. But also, just because you do this doesn't mean you're going to be saved. So he even even says that. And I'm like, oh, way to go, Father. That's great, because many people think that just because uh, somebody is good, like you have some pro-life heroes who are non-Catholics, who don't believe in the faith, who do great things in the pro-life movement, he's like, look, you're not going to be saved because you do this, but certainly, if you support the opposite, then that your salvation is in danger, for sure.
And so I thought that was great of a father to, to bring that up and to explain the situation as such. But speaking on the, the whole pro-life issue, speaking of doing right or wrong, Lorna Roxanne Green, a 22-year-old Wyoming woman, has been sentenced to five years in prison and three years of probation for burning down an abortion clinic, Wellspring Health Access and Casper. Isn't that funny? Wellspring Health Access. They're going to kill babies and they call themselves health access. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, The arson, which occurred in 2022 before the clinic's opening, caused a year-long delay. Now, I want to stop there before I go on with the story. You know, arson in the past was a crime punishable by death. Why? Because arson is non-controllable. It is a situation that can utterly destroy an entire city. Uh, Somebody might set one building on fire to try to burn it down, which of course is wrong, but they might accidentally in the process burn down the entire city because the fire spreads. The fire gets out of control. Uh, Some embers get picked up by the wind and it takes it somewhere else. And so in times past, especially before modern fire departments, they have risked just killing many lives. And so because of the recklessness of such a crime, it used to be punishable by death. Not to mention that you put the, the danger of firefighters at risk of them going to try to put the fire out. Now, I'm glad that this abortion clinic has a year-long delay. was able to kill babies for a whole other year. Praise be to God for that. But we cannot result... To these kind of things. And I'm glad that she waited to make sure that it was empty. That it was a empty building. They're still building it. So praise be to God. I'm glad nobody died. But nonetheless. This is not something that we can support. We can't support arson. Now the clinic was set to be the state's first full service abortion provider. So I am glad that it's shut down. The U.S. District Judge Alan Johnson. While acknowledging Green's troubled background and emotional struggles emphasized that her opinions did not justify the terror caused by her actions. Green, suffering from obsessive-compulsive disorder, anxiety, and depression, claimed her emotions overwhelmed her regarding the clinic. That's understandable. You understand that there are, I mean, a real situation. Babies are dying. Babies are being killed. It should cause us anxiety. It should cause us depression. It should cause us to be overwhelmed by emotion. The judge, influenced by Green's troubled childhood and substantial number of supporting letters, opted for leniency. Green's attorney argued that she didn't intend a political statement but was unable to cope with her emotions. Besides imprisonment, Green faces significant restitution, likely exceeding $280,000. Despite her crime, some, including the clinic's founder, Julie Burkhart, expressed empathy for Green's situation. Wyoming has faced abortion restrictions post Roe v. Wade decision with laws banning abortion while legal challenges are ongoing. So I'm glad that's happening. And I hope that the the abortion gets banned in Wyoming. And I'm also happy that this abortion clinic was shut down for another year. So babies' lives were saved by this act. And the reason why the story actually came up to me was because someone <laughs> posted a meme of this woman and said, guys, she'll be... Uh, 25 when she gets out of prison start writing letters now you can't find uh, women who uh, care about babies lives this much 
And I was like, I thought that was funny. And so that's why I, I kind of saw the story. But it is still not okay to burn down buildings. It's not okay to do that. Arson is a grave, grave crime. It is a grave crime. And, you know, I struggle. I struggle with this idea of like, okay, what can you do when you have a situation where there is legitimately, there is a baby's life at danger. There is a vigilantism, which is bad. But what about stopping somebody in the midst of doing an evil act? Like if you saw somebody in the street about to kill someone, about to execute someone, you would be justified in stepping in. It wouldn't be vigilantism. It would be being heroic. And so I struggle with trying to understand where is that, where is the morality in that? At what point are you going too far? In this case, there was nobody in imminent danger. So this would be vigilantism because she wasn't, there was nobody there. But the question then becomes, if you were in Nazi Germany and they were building a gas chamber, would you be justified in burning it down before it gets finished? That's a question to ask. So I don't endorse and I do not support arson. I think it's a grave evil. But it is something that we have to struggle with. Something that we have to struggle with ourselves and understand why and how these things are bad. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to say some prayers for the souls in purgatory. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed often for those in purgatory? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com.
and we are back. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Praise be to God. It's good to be here today. You know, Nick brought up this story, and it's funny because I had this on my docket as well. Firefighters retrieve first baby safely deposited in New Mexico baby box. Praise be to God. You know, it's always been a, a trope, and I guess it was not a, really a trope. It was a reality. Like, if you drop off a baby at a fire fire department there, they'll take care of them. They'll make sure they get to the right place. Right. Um, and baskets, you know, they used to have those baskets they'd bring. But it was always kind of a danger, because, like, what if you drop it off, the baby there, while they're on a run? And the baby's out in the elements for who knows how long. Right. And somewhere like Houston, where it's, like, 110 degrees, humid and gross, and they were stuck in the basket for hour two hours three hours because all the fire fighters are gone that's dangerous or if you're up north and it's like sub 40 degrees that's pretty dangerous Mm -hmm. so somebody created these new boxes and i remember when the story first came out when they were raising money to do this but i'm so glad to hear this story come to fruition so this baby box is a temperature controlled incubator designed to receive babies whose mothers are unable to care for them now Every good news story, I was talking about this recently, every good news story is tinged with bad news. The bad news is there's people who don't want their kids, and there are people who can't take care of their kids. And so that's really sad, and that's really bad, and we'd love to have it where every child was taken care of by their parents. Uh, Children have a right to be taken care of by their mother and their father. And so ideally, that would be the situation. The situation would be that they would be taken care of by their mom and their dad. However, there's many situations where that's simply just not the case. And it's just, that's just the world we live in. So how do we react to that? And I think this is a great way to react to that. It's say, hey, keep your child and we'll take care of them. And it's funny because um, Kirk Cameron, I was at the Texas uh, Right to Life um, gala. And while I was there, they had Kirk Cameron to give the speech. And he mentioned that his son... His son, or rather he had his son come and give his testimony. And his son was saying how he was adopted, but his mom was married to this man who was a total degenerate, was in prison. And while he was in prison, she hooked up with another guy. And whenever this other guy found out that she was pregnant... He was scared because her husband was getting out of jail in a couple of months. And so he bailed and got out of there and ran away. And her husband told her that if he if she did not kill the baby, that she he was going to divorce her. And it was just this horrible situation that involved all sorts of horrible problems. But she was convinced to keep the baby. And Kirk Cameron ended up adopting that baby. And that is his son. And so you see this man, and now he's saying that he, because he's an adult, I think he's about my age, he said that he has made it his life goal to try to create an adoption center, create an orphanage. And this is the reality of the situation here. These kids who grow up and who are, who are conceived and born in the most horrific circumstances, whether it be because of rape, because of incest, in abusive situations, out of wedlock, in vitro fertilization, whatever these immoral and horrific ways of being conceived, uh, some more horrific than others, 
they're still children. It's not their fault. The kid didn't commit any sin. And so why should the kids suffer the sins of the parents? The parents commit these sins, one or the other or both, commit a grave sin. And so why are we going to punish the baby? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. And so these things are great. Baby boxes have become an important pro-life resource, says LifeSite News, enabling moms in crisis situations to safely and anonymously relinquish their newborns in accordance with state safe haven laws and allow people to drop off unharmed newborn babies at secure locations like fire or police stations or hospitals. In the early morning of Saturday, September 23rd, Fire Station 1 in Hobbs, New Mexico, received an alert indicating that their new baby box had been activated. This is a great day for the community of Hobbs, New Mexico, with all the tragedy that's been going on with these types of incidents in New Mexico. This is a great day, said Fire Chief Mark DePorto. He told the outlet. Now, this is really good, too, for another reason. One of the aspects of these baby boxes is that as soon as something is placed into the box, an alarm goes off alerting the fire station. So they're saying that they can get to the child within minutes. And if for some reason they're not able to get to the child within minutes, the child will be safe there. It's safe from the elements. It can't be accessed again from the outside so someone can't go and steal the baby. Um, they, it's very, very safe. The second box of its kind in radically pro-abortion New Mexico, the Hobbs baby box, was installed in May, just a week after teen mother Alexis Avila was sentenced to 18 years in prison after she put her newborn baby in a bag and threw him in a dumpster in the same southern New Mexico community in January 2022. The crime was caught on surveillance cameras and Avila's baby was retrieved by three people searching through the garbage. Police transported the baby boy to the hospital where he was reportedly listed in stable condition and survived. Now, you know, it's funny about the story is that she was punished for this. But if she had killed the baby just months before, there'd have been no problem. Nobody would have cared. But throw the baby into the dumpster after it's born and all of a sudden everybody freaks out. Isn't that strange? This is why I love what Trent Horn has to say when he's giving arguments. Trent Horn says he has a tactic, what he calls trot out a toddler. When he say a very pithy way of saying like apply the situation to a toddler. So someone says, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to take care of the kid, yada, yada. He goes, okay, well, trot out a toddler. Say, okay, would you do the same thing if you had a toddler? Oh, well, in that case, you can't do it. Why? Because the kid is there in front of you? Just because you can't see it, therefore you can kill it? Is that kind of the principle? And so I always keep that in mind in the back of my head when you're having these pro-abortion arguments is trot out a toddler. How, apply it to a situation. It's okay to kill the baby in the womb. Why is that? How is that distinctively different than three months later when it's outside of the womb? Explain the situation. Explain to me how this doesn't work. Now, in response to the horrific incident, Hobbs, New Mexico, partnered with Safe Haven Baby Boxes to install a box which mothers can surrender their babies from newborns to three-months-old infants safely and anonymously in according, accordance with state laws. Now, months later, the box, which is safe, temperature-controlled, and locks once used to protect the baby from being taken or injured by anyone outside, has provided sanctuary for its first sur- surrendered infant. So praise be to God for that. Let's try to make sure that we get these all over the nation. It would be great to have these kind of boxes all over the country, and every fire station, this would be a great thing. So we could donate to support them. 
It's shbb.org, shbb.org, to find out more information. You can actually see what these boxes look like by going to their website, see how they work. And they're very much, very, they're very much something that we need to have. And I think, I think this is something that we could continue to try to move towards a way that we can try to promote this. Because one of the problems with, because like, for instance, in Texas, we're a face to face surrender only. So you can surrender a baby in Texas, but only face to face. And, you know, normally I'd be, I'm okay with that because it's very dangerous to leave a child unattended. You could kill the baby. But with these kind of things, I could imagine a situation where we pass a very specific law and say, okay, we're going to have face-to-face and baby boxes. So that way it's very narrowly defined. And so you can only have it where you're surrendering the baby face-to-face or through one of these boxes, which are very, very safe. And you could, we could start adding these to fire stations, hospitals, police stations, all these different things. I think that would be a great practice to have. The first step is to let our legislators know. So we have to let people know so we can change our laws. Because right now, uh, not every state can actually do this. We, we need more states to try to change their laws to make it available to try to have a situation where we can, in fact, affect real change. So onward to this story. And I thought this was great because I hammered on this point probably probably for too long, to be honest. And now I'm bringing <laughs> it up a third time. Um, Crisis Magazine has an article titled, The Apparel Oft Proclaims the Man. Which I thought was funny because it's literally a, a statement that I made and a talk that I gave. I made the point. I said, um, the apparel often makes the man. It's probably better said the apparel off proclaims the man. And it's funny. So that's the title of the article. So I'm like, ha, these people are listening to me. Nah, they're not listening <laughs> to me. Uh, but it does. Uh, I'm like, hey, this, I'm glad that other people are picking up on the story as well. And so obviously they're talking about the Fetterman issue of him dressing in hoodie and shorts to go vote. And I'm glad to see that the the that we passed law saying that, yeah, you have to dress up. You're going to have to wear clothing, dude. But it's good to see more people that are raising up themselves to talk about the importance of dress. That it's not okay to be a slob. It's not okay. And yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect at this. Like, for instance, I mean, I didn't feel like ironing my shirt, so my shirt is wrinkled. (laughs) So would it be better for me to iron my shirt? Of course. Of course. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But we have to try to elevate society. And this goes, uh, clothing is the exterior, most exterior way of doing this. But it has to be ubiquitous. It has to be in our speech, in our words, in our comportment, in the manner in which we eat, which is kind of part of comportment. But this article quotes St. Francis de Sales saying, Exterior neatness represents in some degree the cleanliness of the interior. Let me repeat that. Exterior neatness represents in some degree the cleanliness of the interior. Francis de Sales is basically saying what Jordan Peterson was saying on a very natural level. What did Jordan Peterson say? He said, clean your room. Why clean your room? Which I got to admit, I could do for a cleaning of my room. (laughs) But he says clean the room. 
because he says that if you have an ordered household, if you have an ordered home, your ordered room, it then helps you order your mind. It gives you a task to do and it helps order your mind. Things are, everything's in its right place. Everything is clean. Everything is tidy and it helps you to think better. Whereas everything is chaos, it causes disorder in the mind. It causes you to try to have, to have, it causes you anxiety in the mind. And this is a reality. This is an, an unfortunate reality. And it's why we should thank our parents who told us to clean our rooms instead of being upset about it. Now, Louis the Ninth, or should I say King Saint Louis the Ninth, said, You ought to dress well and in a manner suited to your condition so that men will have more respect for you. For as a wise philosopher has said, our clothing and our armor, armor, ought to be of such a kind that men of mature experience will not say that we have spent too much on them, nor younger men say we have spent too little. Hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So what is he saying here? He's saying that we should dress in accordance to our state in life. Like, for instance, my clothing is mostly gifts. It's mostly gifts. But I'm dressed nicely. Uh, my shirt... This was actually, I think it was, I think my mom got it from her cousin. It was a hand-me-down. And it's a nice shirt. It's a good shirt. Uh, my jacket is, it's a nice jacket. It's it, cost, it was less than $100, but it wasn't like it was $20. The tie was a gift. And the pants I got on sale. So my entire outfit mm, probably come out to about $150, including my shoes. And... I would say that it probably would be virtuous for me to spend a little bit more to try to save up a little bit of money and get nicer and nicer things and or replace them because uh, my mom will tell you my uh, I'm I'm cheap and so my elbows are running out my <laughs> collar is running out and I could definitely use with replacing them but the point being is that you don't have to spend a thousand dollars to dress nicely and if a hundred and fifty dollars is way too much for you, you go to a thrift store and you can find the same outfit. For even cheaper, for maybe $20, $30, $50, depending on what store you go to. We can dress nicely, and it doesn't have to cost us an arm and a leg. We can dress in a respectable way. It's only bad is if you go into debt or you lose your livelihood for the sake of dressing nicely. Then we're talking about problems, buying designer clothes, stuff like that. Not necessary. Not necessary. Anyway, with that, we're going to go into Fear and Trembling Game Show. You can call in 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. 
Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life, because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you, in fact could be a winner isn't that amazing isn't that amazing and i gotta tell you the prize this week pretty cool i'll tell you about that in just one moment so here's the thing the game is really simple i have three catholic trivia questions and the trick is i'm not going to ask you the trivia questions no instead i'm going to ask nick the questions nick's going to give me an answer and it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong which means even if you just guess you have a 50-50 chance of getting the answer correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. This week's prize is generously donated by our co-host, Rudy Carlos. Uh, Rudy went on vacation to Colorado and he visited the shrine of St. Francis Cabrini. And while he was there, he said, huh, let me grab some of these really cool gifts and give them away as a prize this week. And so he has a sun catcher. He's got, let's see, what else he got over there? Nick, you got it next okay, to you. Um, yeah, what else is in that package? We've got a uh, car rosary here or uh, a little, little 10 decade. Or, there mm-hmm. you go. And yep. uh, um, the sun catcher and we've got a medal and uh, it looks like a really nice prayer uh, card, but it's a different material. It's wood. Huh. So it's and it's uh, laser etched on the back. It's uh, it's really cool. So there you go. Uh, so thank you very much to Rudy Carlos and prayers for Rudy because him and his family are not feeling very well. They're very sick at the moment. Uh, the entire Carlos family. So pray for them. Uh, both one because they generously sponsored our game show this week, and two because they uh, are all sick. So pray for them for that reason. But. That number to call, 877-757-9424. And you can always go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to make sure that you get all of our information on how to connect. Uh, but joining us right now on the phone is, is that Jonah Burrier? Bur- is that the Burrier family? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Jonah. Good morning. Now, Jonah, I heard the rumor is that Genevieve's birthday just passed. Is that true? Yes. How old did she just turn? Oh, she turned nine. She turned nine. Praise be to God. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Praise be to God. We'll say a prayer for Genevieve for her birthday. Uh, but God bless you, Jonah. Are you on your way to school this morning? Yes, sir. Praise be to God. All right, so the uh, what's the what's the occasion right now? What what's going on? What's the fun thing that's exciting uh, going on in your life right now? What, any new baseball games? Um, 
football season just ended. Football season just ended. Hmm. And so the you play football, Jonah? Yes. I didn't know that. I knew I didn't know that. I knew you played baseball, but I didn't know you played football. Praise be to God. I love football. That's that was my uh, favorite sport growing up. Um, now I'd probably say it's it's boxing, but now it used to be it used to be football. But praise be to God, Jonah. Uh, well, have a great day at school. I'm sure you're familiar with the game. Is the entire family with you? Yes, sir. Praise well, my sister and my dad are. Okay, your sister and your dad are. So they are going to be able to help you in this game. And I'm going to say. Mm, you might you might need some help. These questions are uh, these are a two man, maybe even a a two man and a and a woman job. So hopefully the the adding the heads together will make sure that y'all get all three correct. Are you ready to play? Yes. All right, let's do it. Question number one for you, Jonah, or rather Nick. Nick, are you ready? Absolutely ready. Okay. Well, here's the question: Who is the patron saint? Of the deaf. That's deaf with an F, not death with a deaf. TH. All right, deaf. Uh, that's kind of a tough one. Uh, a lot of saints out there. Um, I'm going to go with St. Lucy. St. Lucy? Yes, I, I know she has the eyes, so it just kind of seems that she would probably have the ears as well. So. Ah. I see. Thinking that seems reasonable. That does, in fact, seem reasonable. I'm, I'm seeing where you're getting that from. But the question is, does Jonah think he sees that as reasonable? All right, Jonah, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, who is the patron saint of the deaf? That's people who cannot hear. What say you, Jonah? Nick thinks it's St. Lucy, who had her eyes plucked out, patron saint of the blind, uh, but maybe she's also the patron saint of the deaf, says Nick. Uh, what say you, Jonah, from Volberti, Vol, Vol, Texas? There we go. I can say words. Uh, what say you, Jonah? I agree. You agree? Are you sure you agree? Um, no. <laughs> no, he says. <laughs> uh, you're, so you're going to say he's wrong? Sure. Sure, he says. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Survey says that's correct, Jonah. All right. That is, in fact, correct. He is uh, not the, she rather, is not the patron saint of the deaf. Uh, the actual correct answer is St. Francis de Sales. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why he's the patron saint of the deaf. I'm not sure either. I think, I think I remember there being a story about him giving catechism, catechism to a deaf person before. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure. So, but he is a patron saint of the deaf nonetheless. Uh, but I'm not sure the whole reason why. If anybody knows the reason, send me a message. I'd be curious to know why. Uh, but praise be to God, Jonah. Are you ready for question number two? Yes, sir. All right. Let's get on it then. Uh, Nick, you might be an expert in this, actually. I might. You recently actually went here not too long ago. The question is, in a what region of biblical Palestine is Nazareth located? All right, so a little bit of a tricky question then, huh? Mm-hmm. With biblical. So not today. Not today. Biblical. Biblical. You know, you're right. I went and I, you know, I, I think I got a good uh, Galilee. You're going to go with Galilee. Galilee, I, I believe, is the is where. You Nazareth. visited there while you were in Israel. No? I was there. I was in that. I was in that area. Hmm, so you might know. You might know. All right, Jonah. Uh, can you trust Nick? Fifteen seconds on the clock. The question is: In what region of biblical Palestine is Nazareth located? 
Nick, who just so happened to have just come back from Israel not that long ago, says, well, I know. I was there. It's Galilee. What say you, Jonah? Um, I'm going to say I agree. He says, I agree with that. All right. Uh, let's see. Survey says... That is correct, right. Jonah. Way to go. Praise be to God. Good job. You nailed it. That's two for two so far. I am very proud of you, Jonah. Are you ready for the third question? Yes. Now, Jonah, before we get into this question, I have to ask you, are you by chance an altar server? Yes. You are. Okay. Well, you may. That may help you. Well, it, completely unrelated. A completely unrelated uh, question. All right. Uh, question number three. Uh, for you, Nick. All right. The question is, what do we call the individuals who carry the candles during the liturgy? Now, this could be a tricky question, mm-hmm. so I'm going to specify a little bit further. Okay. What do we call the individuals? What is their technical name? Because they're there's a colloquial name that people call them, but they have a technical name. Uh, what is that name? Uh, okay. Well, the name... It's it's kind of obvious. I mean, you know, they're carrying the candles, um, candlestick carriers. Ah. It's very literal. I mean, you know, a lot of things are very literal. And so is that like, um, is that Greek, candlestick carrier? I, I don't know how to translate that uh, from Greek, but yes, it probably has its oh, yeah. that makes origins sense. there, I'm sure. Oh, that, may, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Jonah, uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question for you, hey, someone who serves at the altar, the question is, what do we call the individuals who carry the candles during the liturgy? Nick says it's candlestick carrier. And that's a lot of C's. Candles? Can- no, that's only two C's. I was like, wait a second. Uh, never mind. I can't I can't spell. <laughs> All right, Jonah, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Uh, is it candlestick carriers? What say you, Jonah? Um, well, I think that's the right answer, but I'm going to disagree. You're going to disagree. All right. Let's see. Survey says. That is correct, right. Jonah. That is correct. I mean, yeah, technically the person who's carrying it is a candlestick carrier, but that's not the <laughs> technical name for it. Uh, like you said, Jonah. Jonah, do you happen to know what the right answer is? Um, No, I know what the crucifix carrier is. But... Uh, the candlestick carrier is known as. An acolyte, an acolyte, uh, which is kind of confusing for some people because there's also the the minor order of acolytes, or now it's a um, instituted acolyte, mm-hmm. and so that gets kind of confusing for some people. But the candle holders are known as acolytes, and so you have acolyte one carrying the one candle, acolyte two carrying the second candle, and so that's how you kind of. And then they colloquially will say A one and A two. You have can- candle bearer one, candle bearer two. Uh, so very good, Jonah. And now you have a little bit more information. So when you go to serve mass, you can be like, um, yeah, that's actually called an acolyte. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> but praise be to God, Jonah, you and the Burrier family, uh, y'all rocking it. All right, Jonah, I'm going to put you on hold, but God bless you. God love you and have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. All right. Will do. God bless you. All right. Take care, Jonah. All right. That'll do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show, you're welcome to do so. You can hop on YouTube, on Facebook, on Rumble, on Odyssey, not on Twitter because Twitter's not working for some reason. 
and you can interact with us directly. You can have any questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. Hop on, and we'll discuss whatever it is that you want to talk about. And if you left a comment earlier in the show, re-comment it if you wanted to talk about it because I'm not going to scroll all the way back to cover everything. So bring it back up. We'd love to talk about it, whether it's something we talked about on the show today or something completely off of left field. We'll talk about that today. All right. But if you cannot join us in the after show, if you don't want to hop on our social media streams and comment with us, well, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. Let's remember, Christ is risen. Truly, he is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God love you. God bless you. And we'll see you very soon. I'll see y'all tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. We celebrate the memorial of St. Francis of Assisi. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for those joining us on Guadalupe Radio, online, and those here present. All creatures of our God and King, Lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, Thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him. Alleluia, Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Christe eleison, 
Let us pray. O God, by whose gift St. Francis was conformed to Christ in poverty and humility, grant that by walking in Francis' footsteps we may follow your Son and through joyful charity come to be united with you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Nehemiah. In the month of Nisan, of the twentieth year of the king Artaxerxes, when the wine was in my charge, I took some and offered it to the king. As I had never before been sad in his presence, the king asked me, Why do you look sad? If you are not sick, you must be sad at heart. Though I was seized with great fear, I answered the king, May the king live forever. How could I not look sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins, and its gates have been eaten out by fire, the king asked me, What is it, then, that you wish I prayed to the God of heaven and then answered the king, If it please the king, and if your servant is deserving of your favor, send me to Judah, the city of my ancestors' graves, to rebuild it. Then the king and the queen seated beside him asked me how long my journey would take and when I would return. I set a date that was acceptable to him, and the king agreed that I might go. I asked the king further, If it please the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the west of Eupolitus that they may offer me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. Also a letter for Asaf, the keeper of the royal park, that he may give me wood for timbering the gates of the temple citadel and for the city wall and the house that I shall occupy. The king granted my requests for the favoring hand of my God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Your response. Let my tongue be silenced if I ever forget you. By the streams of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. On the aspens of the land, we hung up our harps. Response, let my tongue be silenced if I ever forget you.
Though they our captors asked of us the lyrics of our songs and our despoilers urged us to be joyous sing for us the songs of Zion response let my tongue be silenced if i ever forget you how could we sing a song of the lord in a foreign land if i forget you jerusalem may my right hand be forgotten response let my tongue be silenced if i ever forget you may my tongue cleave to my palate if i remember you not if i place not jerusalem ahead of my joy response let my tongue be hallelujah hallelujah I consider all things so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Alleluia. 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead. But you... Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. Jesus answered him, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe about four or five years ago, I was at Half Price Books, and I came across a book called Chasing Francis. The title sort of intrigued me, so I began to open up the few pages before I decided to buy the book. And essentially, it was about this evangelical minister who had a very, very popular um, uh, place and was very, very successful, but he began to have this crisis of faith. And so he decided to sort of leave all of that behind and go to see his uncle, who was a Franciscan monk over in, in Assisi, and spend some time there to try to figure things out. Basically, the story is, of course, he's chasing Francis, is trying to, through his encounter with Franciscan spirituality, he comes to recognize um, a, a deeper faith, something that really penetrates more deeply into his heart. I think that could probably be the experience of many people not just Catholics, but even non-Catholic, even non-Christians, who go to Assisi to encounter this man. Who is this man? Who lived this really radical life in Christ and has become so attractive. 
fact, if anybody you ever have a chance to go to Assisi, it's such a peaceful place. There's something special about this place because there's something special about this man. He really wanted to follow Christ, and he wanted to follow him more deeply, more radically. Particularly, of course, through poverty, but also then through great humility. The gospel sort of is really perfect for the saint, although it doesn't come from the, the, the proper saints. But it's like, I will follow you wherever you go. And when Jesus responds to this person, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, I think Francis would have said, that's just fine with me. <laughs> he gave up everything, really, to follow Christ. And he, when he, once he set his hand to the plow, he did not look back, giving everything. St. Paul says it so wonderfully in that Alleluia verse, I consider all things so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. St. Francis was so conformed to Christ that he received towards the end of his life the stigmata. He wanted to be so united to Jesus. Not only is his poverty is something that really uh, sort of stands out uh, for St. Francis, but I would say there's, there's two things in particular which... Uh, even our, our pre present Holy Father, Pope Francis, really kind of focuses on, and that is um, fraternity and creation. It's interesting that in the United States, especially particularly in the Southwest, it was the Franciscans who originally evangelized. Of course, they had come through from Spain, through Mexico, <clears throat> and up to the New World, as it was known then. And they were sort of the perfect evangelizers because when they encountered the Native Americans, those two things would have been really fundamentally important for the Native Americans, and that is fraternity, that tribe, family, and also their, their great love and respect for creation. So the Franciscans were like the perfect people to evangelize them. Um, they did so-so. <laughs> Our Lady of Guadalupe did so much, so much greater work. But those two things actually are themes which our Holy, present Holy Father has taken up in two of his encyclicals. The first was uh, Laudato Si, which is, is, is try, helping us to strive in our, to restore that communion that we have with creation because it is broken. It is really uh, trying to live St. Francis's life of being meek. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the land. That humility that, that Francis had. He, he, the, the great relation he had with creation is he has that canticle of creation, which we often sing. Of course, the song we sing this morning is sort of a version of that. But that he, all, of, all of the things in creation would became really his brothers and sisters. So he would treat them, of course, with great reverence and respect, only because they are related to the creator who created them um, out of his love and for our, our, our goodness. And then finally, also fraternity. So our Holy Father Pope Francis wrote the encyclical Fratelli Tutti, to have a better communion with our brothers and sisters, that we really would see all as our brothers and sisters, and that we would have that deep respect for one another, because God has created us, and he loves us, and so we, we want to have that same spirit. So may St. Francis help us to build a better world, a better world of fraternity, a better respect and, uh, for creation, and may the poverty and humility of St. Francis continue to inspire us to love Christ more deeply and to follow him more closely. Amen.
We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God that the whole world may be watered from these springs of all blessing and life. For all who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may faithfully keep to their resolve, let us pray to the Lord. For peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart, let us pray to the Lord. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as brothers and sisters, let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves gathered here, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio and online, for their intentions, for all those who have asked us to pray for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your healing power. And where there's doubt, true faith in you. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there's sadness, ever joy. O Master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. In giving to all that we receive, and in dying that we're born to eternal life. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice that. As we bring you these offerings, O Lord, we pray that we may be rightly disposed for the celebration of the mystery of the cross, which St. Francis so ardently embraced through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, 
Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Suncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. 
At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy you should enter under my roof. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Lord, who at thy Eucharist did pray, that all thy church might be forever one. Grant us at every Eucharist to say, with longing heart and soul thy will be done. 
Grant us, we pray, O Lord, through these holy gifts which we have received, that imitating the charity and apostolic zeal of St. Francis, we may experience the effects of your love and spread them everywhere for the salvation of all, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above, O Maria. Hail, Mother of mercy and of love, O Maria. Triumph, all ye cherubim, sing with us, ye seraphim. Heaven and earth resound the hymn, Salve. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, Thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.